Turn to Matthew chapter 18 tonight. The Lord laid this message on my heart several, it's been several weeks ago, and I've actually shared it at another church, but the Lord just, you know, it's like he said, that's the one, just do that one. I said, well, okay, God, you're in charge. Um, but it's, it's the challenge that Jesus gives to his disciples. I've entitled this message, if you want to uh, write some things down on the sermon notes, Moving from the Mundane to the Marvelous. From the mundane, from the average and boring life that many people live, to the life of the marvelous. And the way you're going to do that is to follow the directive that Christ gives in this passage in Matthew 18. And Christmas is about children, isn't it? It's about the child. It's about Jesus Christ coming as a child and uh, transforming the world. And the disciples... Uh, challenge Jesus with an amazing question, and uh, and look at it with me, will you, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning verse number 1. And at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, I, you know, I've, I've heard it all my life, you know, there are no dumb questions. That's a dumb question. That's a dumb question. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, duh, probably Jesus. I would, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm surprised Jesus didn't respond to the disciples going, well, uh, hello, duh. But he doesn't. He, here's what he does. This is, a, this is just so amazing to me, and it's such a huge challenge, and it's challenged me ever since I've read this. He called a little child and had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I want you to write the word child down the left side of that sermon note paper if you want to take notes. There's five things that I see in the life of children that I think are essentials if you want to make it into the kingdom of heaven. If you want to ever see God face to face, if you ever want to see Christ, obviously salvation is, the, is, the, is how we are born into this kingdom. But once we are born born again and become Christian, then what are the characters, what characteristics, what are the qualities that we have to demonstrate, that we have to act upon, that we have to live out in our lives to make this happen? And uh, there are five of them, and uh, as fate would have it, they spell out child, C-H-I-L-D. And so uh, it's just amazing how this works. But uh, child, you kids are amazing to me. I love, the, I love kids. I love working with kids. Um, because they teach me so many lessons. Uh, now that I'm a grandfather four times, uh, and in June it'll be five times, I've been given the freedom to announce my daughter Erica will be having her third child and our fifth grandchild, and uh, we've ordered a boy, and uh, we're not paying for a girl, so uh, no, it's, well, we're hoping, but again, God's, that's kind of God's department, so we leave that to him. But... Uh, 
But I, you know, just let me give you an example of, of kids and how they think a little bit. Uh, one day, a six-year-old girl was sitting in a classroom. The teacher was going to explain evolution to the children. Teacher asked the little boy, Tommy, do you see the, the tree outside? Yes. Tommy, do you see the green, green? You see the grass outside? Yes. Well, go outside and look up and see if you can see the sky. Okay. He returned a couple minutes. Yes, I saw the sky. Did you see God? Uh, no. Well, that's my point. We can't see God because he isn't there. He just doesn't exist. And a little girl spoke up and wanted to ask the boy some questions. The teacher agreed. A little girl asked the boy, Tommy, do you see the tree outside? Yes. Tommy, do you see the grass outside? Yes. Do you see the sky? Yes. Tommy, do you see the teacher? Yes. Do you see her brain? No. Well, then according to what we were taught today in school, she must not have one. <clears throat> see, kids are just awesome. They're just, they're just great. And we were talking about the offering. A little five-year-old was sitting next to his dad, and the offering plate goes by, and the little boy taps his dad and says, Dad, don't pay for me. I'm only five. Some of the, other, some of the things that I love, with, love to do with kids is songs. There's some great kids' songs that I have known since I was, like, just in Sunday school myself. But uh, some of these choruses, and, and I, there are kids in the church today that will at times come up to me and go, Pastor Fred, Pastor Fred, let's do in right, out right, up right, down right. And, uh, and it's a great song because it goes to something like this. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. Since Jesus Christ came in, cleansed my heart from sin. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. But the neat thing about it is I have the kids in front of me. And I use their arms. I have their arms. And I'm controlling them. And it's a wonderful experience of power. But... But in, right out, right out. So it's great, great fun. And then another one I learned at camp when I was with some kids, and it was, I think I'm going to throw up. I think I'm going to throw up. I think I'm going to throw up my hands and praise the Lord. So it's a great song. So that's a fun song as well. But, uh, but again, this, this thing about kids, this thing about children, why would Jesus present such a powerful challenge to his disciples? Unless you change and become like little children. Now, think about in your own life, when did you stop acting like a kid? When did that stop? When did you stop doing that? Personally, I have I don't think I've ever stopped. I'm still stuck. Some yeah, some people just never never grow up, and that's cool. And that's fine. But somewhere in your life, you decided that it's now time for me to become mature. I have to now act like an adult. I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure what that means. Jesus apparently was not impressed with acting like an adult. I mean, he told us, unless you change. All right, well, well now we've got to change. We've got to stop doing something. Five things I think we need to do. Number one, write it down. Creative. Creativity. The image of God is, a, is creation. It's creativity. It's, cre- it's creating. You give children anything, I don't care what it is, they can make something out of it. They can take a piece of paper and turn it into a monster or turn it into a... They will get their pen and pencil and write and create pictures and draw stories. And uh, you know. And some of the children, you give them a really expensive toy and they'll look at it and throw it away. The next minute they're in the kitchen with pots and pans and, and you know the, the lid is their helmet and the pot is their shield. And, and they are filled with creativity. They just, they just, it just oozes out of them. But there is a satanic attack on our children, and it's called television and video games. 
because it is destroying their creativity. You don't have to have any kind of a mind to watch video games. You don't, even have, you don't have to think even, really, to watch television. And the things that are happening in the lives of our children, their creativity and their imagination is being dictated to them instead of being released out of them. And that's why I am so convinced that part of our, our function within the body of Christ, part of our life as a Christian, is we have to come to a place where we begin to realize that you need to pray every day, Heavenly Father, anoint my imagination. Anoint it. Help me to see things that I don't see. Help me to think things that I don't think. Help me to be willing to go places that I would never go. Help me to speak to people that I would never talk to. Help me to step out of this box of security, out of this world where I know all the answers and I got everything under control. Because if you think about it, what does a little child have control of? They are totally at the mercy of whosoever. And so they become creative. I mean, my granddaughters are amazing. Last night we spent a few, about an hour and a half, two hours watching Ashton, our little grandson. And he, I mean, he just, he travels continuously. He will not sit still. He has that spirit of Eric in him. And I have no idea where that came from, other than his, probably his grandfather. It's part of the gene pool thing. But he just travels. And, he, and he's figured out, he figured out how to turn this little, little toy on. And so I'd shut it off and he'd turn it back on. I'd shut it off and he'd turn it back on. Hey, we could have done that all night. But then he, went, and then he decided to bring me another toy. And he brought me something else for us to, to bother with. And then he brought me something else. I said, Ashton, let's just, just sit on my lap for a second. And that's what it was, one second. And bam, he's gone again. Creativity is just, it's bound up in the hearts of children. And, and if you will get a hold of that in your life, and you will let God begin to do some things in your life, you will see some amazing things begin to take place financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. If you will begin to pray, God, anoint my mind and my imagination. Let me become the creative generator that you want me to be and see what happens. Don't settle for just the mundane, ordinary life. That's what the disciples, I think, were looking for. Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Is it one of us? We want to run the world. We just want to be in control of everything. That's the most ridiculous thought I've ever heard of. Let God handle that. If you don't think God is, very is, is really creative, go outside. Just walk outside. Do you know how many multiplied billions of snowflakes created that scenery out there? Do you know how many of those snowflakes are exactly the same? None of them. I have no idea how they tested that. I've thought about that. How do you check each one of those to make sure they're not the same? And prior to that, the fall, the leaves. Creativity? Oh, my. Some of you have hidden within you 
the ability to write, to draw, to sing, to speak, to minister to people. But Satan has lied to you and said, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Are you kidding? With your background, with your past, you have no... You, who's going to listen to you? You can't write anything. What? You can't, you know. And your response to him immediately is, shut up. Just get behind me. Stop bothering me. Creativity. Being creative. It was a... A mother was telling her little daughter, a little girl was watching these boys play outside. And she said, Mom, can I go out and play with those boys? And the mother said, absolutely not. They're too rough. The little girl thought for a second. She said, Mom, if I find a smooth one, can I play with him? I love, I just love kids. Creativity. Listen to this story. One day when I was five, I went to a local park with my mom. While I was playing in a sandbox, I noticed a boy about my age in a wheelchair. I went over to him and asked if he could play. Since I was only five, I couldn't understand why he couldn't just get the sandbox and play with me. He told me he couldn't. I talked to him for a while longer. Then I took my large bucket, scooped up as much sand as I could, dumped it into his lap. Then I grabbed some toys and put them in his lap, too. My mom rushed over and said, Lucas, why did you do that? I looked and replied, he couldn't play in the sandbox with me, so I brought the sand to him. Now we can play in the sand together. That makes so much sense. But as adults, we're going, ah, ah. Give me a break. The kid's a genius. Well, you can't come to the sandbox. He's in a wheelchair. No problem. Bring the sandbox to you. Creativity. I, I, I don't know if you're seeing this, but this is so, is so in my spirit. I, you know, it's driving me crazy. It's either that or the vitamin D that I'm taking. I don't know what it is, but... God is so excited about wanting to charge his church and release a creativity in us that we've never seen before. Where do you think this stuff comes from? A book? Nada. It came from the hearts and the minds of some creative people in this church. Some men that built this and women that are decorating it. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. The, the I, the letter I. Let's keep moving. I'm sorry, the H. Let's stop there first. Hope for tomorrow. Children are filled with hope. Because you see, they don't have a big past to destroy their hope. They have a tremendous sense of hope for tomorrow. They have faith that carries them on. There's nothing greater than listening to a child's dreams. Ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Don't ask a teenager that, because their standard answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what would you like to do? I don't know. Well, is, is there anything you're interested in? No, I don't know. Well, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? I don't know. I want to just like eliminate that from their vocabulary. Again, creativity has been destroyed in their lives somewhere down the road. Somewhere, somewhere that's been messed up. But in a child, you ask a little kid, you know, my, my grandkids, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to be an astronaut, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be this, I'm going to go there, I'm going to do that. 
Well, see, nobody has told them that, no, you can't do that. What, are you crazy? You can't do that. They still believe it. Hope. Hope. There's this great story. There was a town that had been involved in a drought, and they had not had rain for, for months. And so the pastors had gotten together and had invited all the people to come for this Saturday morning prayer section. They were going to pray for rain. They, hadn't had any, they were all going to come and pray for rain. And so they gathered together, and they were all there, and, and the pastor said, now bring something of, of religious significance with you so that as we pray, we can just kind of bind our faith together. So there are Bibles and rosaries and you know, all kinds of stuff. And as they were praying, all of a sudden, a light mist began to fall. It began to rain. And all of a sudden, in the crowd, a little nine-year-old girl raised an umbrella. If you're going to pray for rain, what should you bring? Your Bible? Your prayer book? No! You're praying for rain. Hello? Bring an umbrella. Where's your hope? Where's your faith? You bring the umbrella. I love that story. It just speaks volumes to me. You know, well, duh. You see, kids live in this duh world. They just, it's, it's okay. Hope for tomorrow. It's an awesome thing. Hope that is not acted upon is nothing more than despair. Hope that is not acted upon is nothing more than despair. What good is it? I love the, I love the old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Then your hope will never be shaken by the 6 o'clock news. Your hope will never be shaken by the 8 a.m. news. It'll never be shaken. Become like a child and have hope for tomorrow. The letter I, it's the word innocence. You see, innocence, and some of you might say, well, that's too late for me, man. I'm gone there. No, innocence is what God does to us. Is what's the, it's the cleansing that comes into our lives. When we, when we acknowledge our sin, we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He brings us back to that place of innocence as a child justified. What does that mean? Just as if I'd never done it. Innocent. Innocent. Innocence. It's that, it's, it's that realm where you, can, you have a clear conscience. You're able to walk into church and walk up to any human being in the building and hug them and say, I love you with the love of the Lord. That's innocence. But if you're holding grudges against somebody, you know, give me a break. You know, the beautiful thing about children is they have a memory that's about 20 seconds long, if, if that. It's not until junior high that their memory increases dramatically and they're able to remember every hurtful thing that's ever been said to them or whatever. But I, I used to work with preschoolers. And they were, you know, it was, you know, that's my toy. Ten seconds later, they didn't even remember they had a toy. Just boom, boom, boom. It's, all, it's constantly moving. Their mind is just, 
it's an amazing, it's that wonderful innocence. And uh, it's, it's so funny. It's just beautiful as I see my little granddaughters, Trinity and Bella. Trinity's training Bella with some real interesting techniques about life. And uh, Jean Ann's maybe seen some of this. But now if Bella, if, if Erica, my daughter, says something to Bella, she's the littlest, and Bella doesn't like it, this is what Bella does. And Trinity taught her how to do that. So, you know, it's just, it's just that. And that is a fun, I mean, you know, how, do you, how do you keep a straight face with something like that? Bella, you're not even two years old yet. You don't know, you shouldn't even be, under, be able to understand the word attitude, let alone cop one. Man, innocence. To be able to come into church every Sunday and be able to just enter into worship, to know that you have, you've settled it in the parking lot. Don't, you know, don't wait to come into church to settle your issues with God. Settle them in the parking lot. Settle them at home before you leave for church. Come to him and say, Lord, just cleanse me today. Let me walk into church and be able to worship you and to give and to, and to enter in and to receive your word. In that, that innocence of a child, God, let me receive that word so humbly and so fully and totally that God, when I walk out of there, the creativity will rush out of me. It'll be exciting. I just, you know, I, God, give us a church full of kids. God, Jesus kids. Jesus kind of kids. Filled with hope. Innocent. Filled with creativity, released to become creative. I, you know, I'm Ray. I'm so glad you're not a rookie server anymore at the ladies' tea. You got in on that this year, so God bless you. You and a few other men came in as rookies, and we got you. I got you covered now. But see, again, you could have just said, you know what? Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. But you said yes. That that's all I need. And I will hunt you down if you haven't ever served at the ladies' tea. You will become mine, so it's okay. The letter L. Oh, wait, innocence. i got to tell you the story before that. This little girl, the daddy was watching the little girl at home, and mommy was out shopping or whatever, and, and uh, the little girl said, Daddy, uh, let's have a tea party. And so daddy was sitting in the living room, you know, minding his own business. And every, pretty soon uh, the little girl, three-, four-year-old girl, came, came running in and had her cup of tea and gave it to her daddy, and daddy drank it and said, Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, this was going on the whole time mom was gone. And so pretty soon mom came home and she watched She's watching this and she uh, looks at her husband and says, Now, honey, you realize the only place that Sally can reach to get water is the toilet. That changed the tea party immediately. But again, the innocence of a child, you know. Nobody told, yeah. So if you go to a hot, someone's home, they have little kids, they want to have a tea party, uh-uh. Make sure you know where the water's coming from. That's the moral of that story. But innocence. The, le- the letter L, love for others. The love for others. To illustrate this, let me share with you a story. This is, I've, I've got several stories that have become my favorites, and I've used them over and over again. And I apologize if you're familiar with this story, but I don't care. It's a great story, and it does illustrate the point. A love for others, no matter what. Really, no matter what. Do you realize that prejudice is something that has to be learned? 
You will never go into a hospital nursery and have the babies in there whine and complain about who they're sitting next to. You know, well, well, no, no, I don't want to be by the black baby. I don't want to be by the Hispanic baby. Put me by the other white Swedish babies or the white German babies. You don't hear that stuff. Because kids do not understand that until they are taught it much later. God grant to us somehow, and I, you know, all of us need help in this area. God forgive us, God help us, God set us free to love others unconditionally. We don't have to love what they're doing, and there's a lot of stuff going on in this world that I, you know, I don't love what's happening at all. I can't stand it. I hate it. But the people don't get it. And if they were set free and understood the power of Christ, their lives would be transformed. That's why I think, you know, Pastor Mel goes to India. That's why Matthew Thomas has a passion for the people of India. Because once they are set free and understand who Christ is, it changes their world dramatically. Dramatically. A love for others. Here's the story. It's called Make-A-Wish. I'll never forget the day Mama made me go to a birthday party. I was in Mrs. Black's third grade class in Wichita Falls, Texas, and brought home a slightly peanut buttery invitation. I'm not going, I said. She's a new girl named Ruth, and Bernice and Pat aren't going. She asked the whole class, all 36 of us, as Mama studied the handmade invitation. She looked strangely sad. Then she announced, well, you are going. I'll pick up a present tomorrow. I couldn't believe it. Mama had never made me go to a party. I was positive I'd just die if I had to go, but no amount of hysterics could sway Mama. When Saturday arrived, Mama rushed me out of bed and made me wrap in, in the pretty pink pearlized mirror brush and comb set she'd bought for $2.98. This happened in 1950, just so you know. She drove me over in her yellow and white 1950 Oldsmobile, and Ruth answered the door and motioned me to follow her up the steepest, scariest staircase I'd ever seen. Stepping through the door brought great relief. The hardwood floors gleamed in the sun-filled parlor. Snow-white doilies covered the backs and arms of well-worn, overstuffed furniture. The biggest cake I ever saw sat on one table. It was decorated with nine pink candles, a messily printed Happy Birthday Ruthie, and what I think were supposed to be rosebuds. Thirty-six Dixie cups filled with homemade fudge were near the cake, each one with a name on it. This won't be too awful once everyone gets here, I decided. Where's your mom, I asked Ruth. Looking down at the floor, she said, well, she's sort of sick. Oh, well, where's your dad? Uh, he's gone. Then there was a silence. Except for a few raspy coughs from behind a closed door, some 15 minutes passed by, then 10 more. Suddenly, the terrifying realization set in, no one else was coming. How could I get out of here? As I sank into self-pity, I heard muffled sobs. Looking up, I saw Ruth's tear-streaked face. All at once, my eight-year-old heart was overwhelmed with sympathy for Ruth and filled with rage at my 35 selfish classmates. Springing to my white patent leather feet, I proclaimed at the top of my lungs, Who needs them? Ruth's startled look changed to excited agreement. There we were, two small... Get this picture. There we were, two small girls, a triple-decker cake, 36 candy-filled Dixie cups, ice cream, gallons of red Kool-Aid, three dozen party favors, games to play, and prizes to win. This is a nightmare, if ever I heard one. 
We started with the cake. Oh my gosh. We couldn't find any matches, and Ruthie, she was no longer just plain Ruth, wouldn't disturb her mom, so we just pretended to light them. Creativity. I sang happy birthday while Ruthie made a wish and blew out the imaginary flames. In a flash, it was noon. Mama was honking out front, gathering up all my goodies and thanking Ruthie repeatedly. I dashed to the car. I was bubbling over. I won all the games. Well, actually, Ruthie won the pin the tail on donkey, but she said it wasn't fair for the birthday girl to win a prize. So she gave it to me. We split the party favors 50-50. Mama, she just loved the mirror set. I was the only one there out of Mrs. Black, Mrs. Black's whole third grade class. I can't wait to tell every one of them what a great party they missed. Mama pulled over to the curb, stopped the car, and hugged me tight. With tears in her eyes, she said, I am so proud of you. That was the day I learned that one person could really make a difference. I had made a big difference in Ruthie's ninth birthday, and Mama had made a big difference in my life. You see, people are out there dying for someone to love them creatively, give them a sense of hope, and help them return to innocence. The devil will fight them every step of the way. You have no creativity. You are a worthless human being on this planet. Your parents told you that. Your relatives have told you that. Your teacher has told you that. Your, your, your employer has told you that. You are nothing. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. I thank God today that I grew up in a home where my mom, instead of telling me that I was nothing, she said, there is nothing you can't do. With God's help, you can do anything you want. She released creativity. She probably released it a little too much because I had two other younger brothers and that was scary. But she gave us hope. Hope that we could do anything and accomplish anything and go anywhere and be anything. And that's what drove us. And Mom kept very, very sure and we were accountable to her that our innocence remained pure. And that was not easy with a bunch of crazy boys in the house. But she made sure of that. And love for everyone, that was my mom personified. And I thank God for that. I praise God for that. My dad was a good, good balance and a good provider for the home, but mom kind of ran the program because she was there all the time. And so she taught us these valuable lessons. Love for everyone. And finally, the letter D. The letter D is dependence on God. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven if you don't learn to depend on God. Don't depend on the economy, dear Lord. Don't depend on Congress or the Senate or the president, depend on him. Depend on dad. Depend on dad. Depend on the heavenly father. Trust him totally. He sent his son as a child to teach us five powerful lessons. Get creative. Let the Holy Spirit release in you the creativity that God has given you. Christ came to bring hope 
to a hopeless world. What hope did the Israelites have when Jesus came? Nothing. They were under domination of a Roman government that could care less about them. All they wanted was their money. As far as they were concerned, the entire Israelite nation could fall into the, or fall into the sea and it wouldn't make any difference to them. They were in a hopeless situation, but Jesus brought them a great sense of hope. He restored to them innocence, the opportunity to confess your sins and be completely set free, to be washed whiter than snow. What an awesome opportunity of life to love unconditionally. That's Jesus personified. The people that came to him, he loved them took care of them, cared for them. Whether they were lepers or harlots or tax collectors or just sad individuals, he touched their lives, literally touched their lives. Why? Because Jesus was fully and completely dependent on the Father. How do I know that? Because he said, I am here about my father's business. I am here to do the will of my father. That's my job. I am here to do what God tells me to do. Brothers and sisters, fellow kids, if you'll get a hold of these five principles, if you'll let them just overwhelm you, you will start, you'll sing again. You'll laugh again. You'll remember Sunday school songs like Jesus is the rock on which I stand. 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 Oh, above, below, before, behind, around. Above, below, before, behind, around. This is good for you physically, too. Above, below, before, behind, around. Jesus is the rock on which I stand. Pastor Fred, I'm an adult. I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, you're goofy then. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Jesus said it. That's not. I didn't make that up. Unless you change and become like a child, you'll never make it into the kingdom of heaven. That's the scariest phrase in the Bible. Uh, you mean I could miss out? Yes, if you miss the opportunity to let the Holy Spirit touch your creative part, if you miss out on letting Christ restore hope in your life, hope for the future, if you, don't, if you just live your life and, and refuse to let God restore you to your innocence and, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, if you don't get it about what it means to love unconditionally everyone, and release your prejudices, and release your hatred, and release your anger, and release all that stuff. And then stand there and say, God, I depend on you and nothing else. Because I don't have any place else to go. I mean, who, you know, when Jesus asked Peter, well, who else are we going to go to for the words of life? You're it. That once you once you get that, then we'll be able to do what they do in the preschool, 
what my granddaughters do on Sunday mornings. As soon as they see me, they come running, Opa, Opa, and one of these, Trinity's going to hurt me, I know, one of these days, because she comes running full blast. And I try to catch her, and, you know, I'm, That's what God wants. God wants to see us come running into the church. Arms open. Dad. 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 What are we going to do today, Dad? What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to bless? How much money do you want me to give? That's it? Cool. I can handle that. You want me to double that? Well, let's talk about this. Okay, you're right. You're right. All right, no problem. Double it? Well, could I borrow some money from Pastor Merrill? Would that be okay? Nope. Okay, fine. You want me to love every... Okay, I'll do that. But God, you know I can't do that unless, unless you help me. I depend on you totally. That's what I'm talking about. Dependence on God. Children have it figured out. My granddaughters never worry about who's going to pay when we go out to eat. Because they know it ain't going to be them. Even my children don't worry. But you see, I don't worry either. Because I'd simply just... They bring the bill and I just write, Jesus paid it all. That's never worked. I'm going to try that again, but it's never worked. And it won't. No, you got to pay it. But it's all about being a child. And I want to, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and I want you to just sing with me this great little Sunday school song that kind of says it all. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Heavenly Father, I just I want to thank you that, if nothing else, I, I just share this message for myself to remind me again of what it is that I need to focus on in my life. Lord, I need to let your Holy Spirit just empower me my imagination, and my creativity. Help me, God, to think beyond what this world says I can do and to realize what I can do in Christ, which is all things. Father, again, I pray and I thank you, Lord, for a hope for tomorrow. I have a hope in you, and it's solid. Father, thank you that every day I can begin the day by confessing to you, and you will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Return me to the place of innocence so that I can step out with a clear conscience, enter my workplace 
speak to my neighbors, deal with family members, touch people's lives, because I am a pure vessel for you and your Holy Spirit to flow through. And Father, when that happens, then I could begin to love others unconditionally. I can do it because I depend on you. I depend on you and no other. Father, thank you for the challenge. Lord, help this Christmas be a time when we act like a kid again. Restore the child-like nature in our lives and help us to just be Jesus' kids. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.